Welcome to the internet, live from the Marriott Library at the University of Utah. This is the Redline Podcast. I'm your host, quote, a rapidly increasing number of raccoons in a trench coat, unquote. And these are my co-hosts, Kyle Holland and Alex Fielder. Today we're starting Bay Month in honor of Host 1 and 2's recent trip to San Francisco. Today, it's all about Caltrain, the oldest operating commuter railroad on the West Coast. All this after the news. What even is the news intro? Is that even the right sound? I don't think that's right. I have it in my computer. Yeah, you should play it. The King of Prussia rail extension is dead. Long live the Roosevelt Boulevard subway. Uh, after years of poor planning and a final report suggesting abysmal ridership, SEPTA's King of Prussia rail extension has been shelved after failing to secure federal funding. The roughly four-mile extension to the Norristown high-speed line, SEPTA's strangest trolley metro hybrid, would have cost over $2.5 billion to build <laughs> and carried less than 15,000 riders per day, making it one of the most colossal cost-per-rider disasters in recent history. Local advocates now hope that SEPTA's attention will be rede- redirected to the most higher ridership SEPTA... <laughs> Local advocates now hope that SEPTA's attention will be redirected to the much higher ridership Roosevelt Boulevard subway project, a long-proposed extension to the Broad Street Line, which would serve Transit Star of Northeast Philadelphia. Interesting you put transit in useful places. (laughs) I'm glad it's dead. Me too. Yeah. uh, yeah. I mean, look, I love the Norristown high-speed line. I think it's very fun. Okay, but this project, the King of Prussia extension, was supposed to be part of, like, a commuter rail system extension. Yes, that they did. part of. That then (laughs) they didn't do because reasons, mostly. And then then they were going to put battery trains, and then they didn't do that because reasons. And then they were going to do this, and it was going to be $600 million. And that probably would have been fine. Yeah. And then because... Wait, how did we get to two and a half billion? Cost snake. How? <laughs> <laughs> it's not even funny, it's just... Well, I mean, I, this one was must have been like a freaking, like, you know one of the ones that can swallow like a whole alligator all oh, at once yeah, yeah, or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, whatever whatever that is, like a... Like a is that a boa? Python? Python? I don't know. There's too many cost snakes. Yeah. yeah. This, this one is like, swallows the whole alligator and then shits it out all at once. <laughs> like, you know, back in my day, projects used to just double in price and get built, but worse. And these days, they just don't build them at yeah, all. Yeah, quadruple in price and then not get built. It's not even funny anymore. It is funny. <laughs> it's it's funny. funny when it's the king of project Prussia. starts. Yeah, price just starts project. going yeah, up terrible. over time, and until it hits the cancel ceiling. <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, um, unless it's New York, in which case they build it anyways, because it's, well, it's no, going to get two hundred thousand riders per minute. Well, no, because last time on the news oh, that there no, was the, the airport extension, the airport extension got canceled because of the cost into an improved. Busway, right? Yeah, into improved <laughs> which busway, is gonna cost as which much as the also cost half a billion cost. or half a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So you know, who is embezzling <laughs> all this money? Can I have some? Yeah, I'll 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 do graft for money. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, listeners, go read the Transit Cost Projects report and case studies. And do they have a King of Prussia rail extension? They should have. A they King should of have one. Extension case study. They yeah. should. Maybe we should do one. Yeah, and when I say uh, less than fifty, I said less than fifteen thousand, but the actual number was like twelve thousand riders a day. 
So I don't want, let's do the math here real quick of for cost per daily rider. 2.512123123 divided by 12,000. Yeah, so only $208,000 per daily rider, which is uh, a lot, that's, that's, I'll say. That's just bad. You could buy like six whole parking garage spaces for that price. <laughs> which I'm not kidding. That's the actual price it costs to build them. Yeah. So... Anyway, it's dead. Good riddance. Should probably, yeah. It should probably cost as much as like maybe one or two parking garage space. It's not six. No. This is the standard unit of cost per daily rider, in my opinion. Well, so. Well, yeah, good riddance. Good riddance. Yep. Goodbye. Okay, so. Has that been the news? That has been the news. Okay, time for the show. No trademark. Uh, and no question. And no question today. Yeah. Oh, oh well, we can we can make a question <laughs> if you want. Okay. So, time for the eternal question. <laughs> 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 so, I just want to take a sec before we start talking about Caltrain <laughs> to... What is your problem, dude? You gotta... You can't see, but Kyle is like doing actionable threats at us <laughs> across the table. In Minecraft. No. <laughs> Dude, we, all have, not we, all, in we all have Minecraft open right now. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so uh, basically, Kyle and I have recently been in a vacation to yeah. places, for example, the Bay Area and uh, Portland, comma, Oregon. So, for example, there are many other places on this list. This hey, list we were briefly in Oakland and um, Emeryville, and we spent a decent amount of time sleeping in Beaverton. <laughs> <laughs> we got food in Beaverton too once. So there you go. But anyway, yeah, we went on vacation to the Bay Area and Portland, and so I've decided that we are going to revisit transit in Portland in the future, but for now, we're going to do a massive four-part series on the Bay Area because there is just a billion things to cover. So today, episode one of four will be Caltrain. Next week will be BART. The week after that will be Muni slash SFMTA. And uh, week four, I will try and squeeze in literally everything else, (laughs) which is, you know, in and of itself a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a big, yeah. big place, much transportation. Are we going to have an AC Transit episode? No. Aww. AC Transit is not enough to get its own episode. Ouch. <laughs> like, just no offense to AC Transit. I'm sure it's real nice and stuff, but, like, there's just a lot going on, and I'm going to focus on places that have, like, trains in them. So, uh... This is basically the metric for what is a meaningful and notable transit agency. Does yes. it have trains? Does it own trains? It, it makes it a major transit agency most of the time, with like uh. a couple of exceptions. Yeah. So, that being said, it's time for a short lesson in transit balkanization. Uh, as has been mentioned, transit in the San Francisco Bay Area is incredibly complicated with a multitude of different providers, modes, and service areas. Um, For example, there are four different commuter rail operators, a regional metro, two light rail operators, and something like 30 bus operators, and, oh, and two ferry operators as well. So, um... That's not much light rail. 
No, it? it's not. But like, in terms of length, it's pretty, pretty long. Like, cause like Muni has its light rail and the VTA has light rail as well. It's about quality. It is about quality. That's right. It. In that case, VTA would not qualify. But <laughs> <laughs> um, there are obviously a few prominent uh, and famous agencies, mostly BART and Muni. Uh, BART is, you know, kind of big deal, post-war regional metro, fast trains, big trains, grade separated electricity. And Muni is just famous because it has cable cars mostly and also its own little mini metro. Some might say a Muni metro. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all day. And, you know, the, the streetcars that go on really, really old routes and act like they're doing Excuse the same. Excuse me. You will not criticize my beloved N. Judah. He wants to criticize the N. Judah, you can tell. Man, the N. Judah is my favorite transit route on the planet at the moment. So, what What is the N. Judah? The N. Judah is the one of Muni's streetcar lines. One of one of Muni's metro lines. <laughs> one of Muni's streetcar lines. It's not a streetcar. It is light rail. It's different. They have it a streetcar line. The, That's the F Market. The, their <laughs> light rails run in the middle of the street. Yeah, but it had separated lanes for most of its length. Anyway, uh, it, it runs from uh, Ocean Beach to the Caltrain Depot, so via the Market Street subway, which basically everything runs through. So Popular line then, right? Yes, actually, one of, one of Muni's more popular light rail lines. They have several other, others, much radial, very well, very Bay it's Area. It's not very radial. Look like, on a map. Well, I know, but it only radiates in one direction, so... Because there is only one direction. <laughs> so, well, you want ones that, like, convert into boats going the other way? <laughs> yeah, I think we should do the second Transbay Crossing as a Muni oh, no. line and not as a Caltrain line. That would be much better. Yeah, and it's going to cost $3 billion <laughs> per foot. Look, the Central Subway was, compared to some other transit projects recently, reasonably priced. <laughs> <laughs> And also very nice if they had not been stupid and put four car trains in instead of two. So. Well, but you see, we couldn't possibly modify the rest of the route to support four car trains. No. Not at all. Mm. Definitely not with the over a billion dollars we spent on the subway. We also right. couldn't have just made the platform. Billion dollars longer. per mile. <laughs> yeah, because you'll notice all the platforms in the Market Street subway. I don't know. You could fit like seven car muni trains onto those suckers. So maybe they should have made the other platforms long. As Kyle would say, concept. And then maybe also <laughs> cut down on the grandeur of the stations. They weren't that grandiose. Yeah. They were just kind of an open hole with some, like, concrete cylinders in them, mostly. Yeah, that's, well, pretty, that's pretty fancy. <laughs> well, there, yeah, I'll show you a picture so you can understand like what I mean volume. here. Yeah, I'll have to see all picture. of these pictures. Yeah, I'll have to send you, like, the, the lot, as it were. Yeah, this is this is a picture of a station in the Central Subway. It looks not too different from the Link stations, Yes. to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty similar. And then it has kind of this big entry hall stuff as well. Oh, see, that's not, like, that grandiose. No, the one at Powell is a little more impressive than that one. But anyway, well, not Powell, Union Street, because it's a different station, even though it's directly connected to Powell. Yeah, so that's uh, Bay Area Transit and also me ranting about Muni for a second. Uh, Bay Area Rapid Transit. 
Sure, Kyle. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah, so now we get to talk about Caltrain. Um, so one of the kind of notable weird things in transit topography in the Bay Area is that there is no BART line, like, south of San Francisco on the peninsula that San Francisco is on, right? All the BART lines go off to the east and serve the East Bay and, you know, kind of Oakland, Richmond, Berkeley. I mean, it does go a little bit south down to, like, Daly City, which is, like, not very far. Yes, it does go to Daly City. Um, But that's not, yeah, like Kyle said, that's not super far, and that's kind of like a weird gap in transit topography, right? Because, like, you'd expect... That's a valuable connection to have in terms of rail transit. Man, I wonder what commuter train service might exist in this gap. Yes. uh, So, reading directly off the script, quote, Instead of BART, we have Caltrain, a relatively frequent regional rail operator, and our subject for the day. Yes. Cool. And then I guess on on the Marin County side, there's the smart train. Uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't go over the bay, so I don't feel the need That's the other weird-ass gap. In <laughs> okay, so the bay is the east side. What's the other side called? The Golden Gate Bridge goes over. The Golden Gate? That would be the uh, Golden Gate, yes, but to the west is just the ocean. Ah, so the, the smart train does not go over the ocean. The smart tra- <laughs> or under well, the ocean. The the Golden Gate is part of the bay. Like, that's the end of the bay, right? The bay mm. is all the water inside of the San Francisco thing. Okay, so the smart train does not go over, under, or through the bay. Well, a smart train doesn't go much of anywhere, given, <laughs> that, it, given that it runs, like, every hour and a half at best. Hour so. and a half uh-huh. at best? Uh-huh. We, we tried, I tried to ride it. I couldn't manage it. I just got on, got off the Golden Gate bus in Sausalito and took a ferry back to San Francisco. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. Uh, so. So Caltrain, it goes um, south of San Francisco. It goes south. It runs from San Francisco through the peninsula uh, down to San Jose and a little bit further. But most trains terminate at San Jose because... Everything further south than San Jose is an even more insignificant suburb. So, <laughs> um, and as I've said before, you know, San Jose is kind of like four suburbs in a trench coat with a nice downtown. So, <laughs> so you know. Um, so, Bart, Bart has the uh, east side of the bay and... Uh, Caltrain has the west, mostly. Seems, seems pretty nice. Yeah, there's a lot of criticism about this because... People like BART better than Caltrain because it's cheaper, but anyway. Mm, um, but it has more more shootings. So, you know, you win some, you <laughs> lose some. Yeah, this what? is true. Shooting to cost ratio. BART, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, BART was a little, little sketch, not going to lie. Hmm. Um, this is this is well known. Yeah. So, uh, going into the history of Caltrain, uh, several attempts were made to build a railroad on the San Francisco Peninsula starting in the early 1850s but were successful until the following decade. The original railroad line between San Francisco and San Jose was built in 1863 by the San Francisco and San Jose Railroad, who operated both freight and passenger traffic on the line until 1870, when it was bought out by the Southern Pacific. Uh, Southern Pacific would operate the line for over... Southern Pacific? Yes. They, they ran the... Um, I believe the like main railroad between San Francisco and like all the way down to San Diego. Let me guess, they joined with Northern Pacific to make Union Pacific? 
Actually, I believe that that may be the correct thing. Yes, that sounds about right. <laughs> massively uncreative. Um, <laughs> I like railroad naming conventions; they're fun. <laughs> Citation needed. Uh, yeah, so they would operate the line for over a hundred years until the beginning of subsidization in 1980, uh, and during that time, they built a number of cutoffs along the line reducing travel times and continually improve service from their purchase to the beginning of their Hold decline up. in the wake of the Second Improving World War. Improving service? Oh, well, yeah, because they could make money. Because this is an old railroad, right? So they buy this thing in 1870. Was there a such thing as the automobile in 1870? Uh, nope, it was no. just the horse-drawn streetcar. It's just sadness and people walking. Right. Which is definitely <laughs> depressing. Uh, depressing. How I dare mean, you yeah. walk? I mean, Imagine you, walking and seeing people you like and I mean, if you're walking through horse shit, it's probably a bit depressing. Well, that's what you have those, like, little... That's what sidewalks were invented for. Because, ah, like, the horse shit horse would be shit. in the middle of the street and then people would walk on the sidewalks. Peak engineering. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so... As San Francisco kind of emerged in, like, the early, late 1800s, early 1900s as the financial capital of the West Coast, which it, you know, probably still is, or at least the Bay Area is, um, all these people living in San Jose and, you know, whatever was the pre precursor of Daly City and uh, all <laughs> the other, you know, weird little towns on the peninsula... Uh, they need to go to job in San Francisco, and the only way to do that is via the Southern Pacific's commute. So hence they made a lot of money. The train's name was Commute. Oh. It was not Commuter. It was not like Southern Pacific Commuter Railway or something. It no. was just called The Commute. Because it is. I guess there's no confusing that then. I mean, yeah, Because <laughs> it's the only option. <laughs> it feels weird to me. Like, why would... Well, just add an R, like, you know... But it's it I it's, it's the commute. There it's the only one. one. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the only commute you can the do is on the commute. commute. Is on the commute. That's true, I guess. Um, yeah. So, um, like I said, they were doing a lot of improvements because they were making money on this thing. They tossed around electrification a lot of different times because they were, you know, running a lot of trains and steam trains are not, you know, super efficient and stuff. Uh, and they're expensive to operate. And, and they're paying to refuel, and they're paying to fill with water, and they, and they accelerate slowly. Yeah, and they also, like, quad-track the line in some places. <laughs> and Yeah, so Southern Pacific did a pretty good job running this whole service until about 1945. Now, can anyone in the class tell me what happened in 1945? World War II ended. Yes. Yeah. And so suddenly... Everyone can drive their car again, their car that they bought at the end of the Great... Like, when the Great Depression had just ended, and America's like, hooray, we're going to start doing suburbanization real quick. And then Japan was like, instead of doing that, you're going to do war for five years, and then suburbanization. And then, you know, we have our, like, war rationing or whatever. Yes. We have a tire donation. Yeah. A tire drive. Right. So, so everybody's, you know, donated their tires so they can't drive to work. But that's... <laughs> Not but a bad that's idea. that's over. So suddenly this thing just starts like, you know, hemorrhaging riders, just like because it now has competition in form of in the form of the automobile and probably city and state constructed highways. Wasn't the yeah, Interstate the Act a bit later? Interstate Act was a bit later, but they were already starting to build these things even before you know the interstate highways yeah. became a thing. You know, they're not all like told fairly. 
Yes, and I believe that one of the main highways on the peninsula was built before the Interstate Act. It's the cool. 101 now. It's like 10 lanes and terrible and everything. And it was built it. to make a profit and recoup its construction costs. Well, no. And herein lies the problem <laughs> why the railroad is hemorrhaging money. Yes. competing against subsidized. And, you know, this also killed a lot of other, like, famous Bay Area transit. Like, the key service was the, like, pre-BART BART. Ooh. Like, it was, it served the East Bay, and it was an electrified interurban railway, which does sound kind of familiar. Cool. So, yeah. So it's, you know, just bleeding riders uh, until uh, 1977 when California's like, ah, crap, we're going to lose the commute. And traffic <laughs> on the 101, despite it being 10 lanes and terrible, is terrible. Really? Did not see that coming. That's never happened Shocker. on a non-toll highway before. We don't want to lose the commute. So instead <laughs> of like doing the thing that everyone else had already done like literally 10 years earlier... Give it up and give it to Amtrak. Uh buy it somehow oh, or okay. subsidize operations like Metra, MBTA had done this, New York, every every major commuter railroad had done this at this point. Um, but instead of doing anything logical like that, they're just like, all right, well, the year of, it's the year of our Lord, 1977. We're going to allow municipalities to make bulk purchases of tickets to help subsidize the service. So they just directly gave money to the private company operating the service. So Daly City would just, like, you know, if it wanted trains to keep stopping in Daly City, would have to buy, like, 15,000 tickets every year or whatever. Huh. <laughs> Instead of <laughs> Caltrans just, you know, buying out the system and running it themselves. Yes. Um, this is a sane life decision. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of, I thought that was kind of a weird interim measure. Very weird. Um but then in 1980, uh, the State Transportation Agency, also known as Caltrans, made the decision to begin directly subsidizing commute service. And this is where the service draws its name from today, Caltrans Train, also known as Caltrain. Or California Train, but I'm inclined to think that it's probably Caltrans Train instead of California Train, considering it doesn't serve, like, you know, most of California. We should yeah. rename it to the first Caltrans Train, because at the rate we're going. <laughs> yes, well, those are Amtrak California now. Mm. So, uh, they also bought new rolling stock to supplement and replace the by then decrepit uh, Southern Pacific trains. Which have probably been around since, like, they, they were invented. Yes. <laughs> like, I believe, you know... Last steam trains ran on the line in, like, the 50s, oh, but, goodness. like, these are probably just, like, the worst diesel ever at this point. Yeah. Just, you know, spew, like, burnt, rolling coal everywhere they go. Uh, yeah, and then in 1987, Caltrans was like, all right, well, instead of doing this stupid crap, uh, we're going to allow Southern Pacific to abandon the service and it's going to become under a joint powers board, which controls it to this day. Now, and now we have Caltrain. And now we have Caltrain. Caltrain exists now. Improvements continued apace once the line was brought out and under public ownership. We have new connections and much improved service. Yeah, uh, so our new connections include the... Uh, my beloved and Judah um, was extended in 1998 <laughs> to the Caltrain depot, providing, like... A direct link from Uni Metro to uh, Caltrain. Wow. And then also Sam Trans, which is the very fun, right? Uh, Sam Trans, which is the bus agency for the South Peninsula, started running more service and employment shuttles and all sorts of fun stuff. 
Because cool. unfortunately, Caltrain does not run in the Market Street subway. They should have built it at three levels. Mm, they should have. That would have been cool. Then you could have gone... The fun thing in the escalators in the Market Street subway when you come up from BART is that you go through the Muni platform and you just get to look around and see all the people waiting for Muni trains. It's very fun. Yeah, don't they have some gates these days for transfers without going all the way up and all the way back down? I don't think so. They should I mean, we didn't see any. We were in there quite a bit. Uh, I didn't look too hard either. That's true. I was too busy getting lost. <laughs> well, electrification began to be studied seriously for the first time since the early SP days in the 2000s, and service improvements continued apace despite a number of serious budget issues in the aughts. Yeah, so uh, kind of a defining characteristic of Caltrain's history is budget issues. Um, because as with any good transit agency, yes, yes, truly. Um, and so they have a very like fare box dependent revenue structure, which in some ways is good because it means if they can increase ridership, they can you know make more money. And so in other have- ways, is bad because if external factors cause them to lose ridership then they lose money. So what was there at the time fairbox recovery ratio? 60s and 70s mostly. That would do Jeez. it. Yeah, so they are, they were very heavily reliant on fairbox revenue and the rest was kind of like really inconsistent subsidies. Like like they didn't have like a dedicated funding structure outside of fairbox revenue. What is this the London Underground? Yes, <laughs> basically. It's cool that they have such a f- high fare box recovery, but yeah, that's a bit of an issue Had. that they can't. Had <laughs> such a high fare box recovery, but yeah, a bit of an issue that they can't have like consistent money. Yeah, um, and so you know, all the success uh, they were able to introduce skip stop trains and also uh, what they call baby bullet express <laughs> trains. That was in two thousand four, uh, which made as few as four stops between San Jose and San Francisco. I wouldn't name it the baby bullet, but that's service, so... I I was very <laughs> confused by that as well. I'm like, why is it the baby bullet? It sounds like something out of, like, Mario Kart. Or and, yeah, like the little, like, you get... It's like a bullet like bill. If you're, like, 12th place, you get, like, a little, like, power-up box, and then you, you get, like, the, the jet one, you're like, yes, I can go for it. That's a baby bullet to me. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's just a weaker version. It yeah, takes you to, like, weaker. fifth place. So. It takes you... Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so these baby bullet trains were good, though, because uh, the full runtime of a local Caltrain train, wow, that's a mouthful, <laughs> um, is like an hour and a half between the end of the line and San Francisco. So, you know, the baby bullet shaves like a half hour or a little bit more off of that, which is... That's good. Quite good, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so by 2008, Caltrain was running nearly 100 trains a day, an all-time high that would that stood until very, very recently. So like front runner for context with our current, you know, our off-peak service, um, half-hour in-peak service runs about 54 trains a day. Is that like bi-directional? Bi-directional. Runs? Uh, yeah, bi-directional okay. runs. So they were running about double front runner. They were running cool. two front runners worth of service. So that's probably or like a front runner forward worth of service, if you will. <laughs> probably more than that, actually. Front runner forward would get us like 
80 some, I think. Oh, I thought it was supposed to be like basically double. Uh, not quite. Yeah, unfortunately. Even, even that's awesome. Yes. Um, huge mini train, much, much service. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, they had another series of budget crises in 2010. Um, where they almost had to do like a massive 50% service cut. Yeah. 50%? 50% service cut. Whew. So they would have cut an entire front runner worth of service. The standard unit of service. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and they had to do like a pretty big fare increase, a couple of fare increases actually, and a parking fee increase. Okay. Well, so. Yeah. Rip their yeah. customers. Yeah, rip their customers, I guess. Um, but they survived it, and they kept growing in ridership, and we're looking for more ways to improve service. Cool. I'm glad they survived. Uh, that me sounded, too. That sounds like it was dicey. I imagine it was probably pretty scary. Like, if you're, like, a Caltrain commuter in, like, 2010, you're like, oh, well, there's going to be a 50% service cut. You're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, but, 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 but my job. If I heard that, like, about tracks, like, I would just have to start driving to work probably because I don't yeah. have time for that crap. Well, biking to work more likely, yeah. but, you know. Yep. If if I lived in Bountiful and they'd done a fifth, or if I still worked, because, you know, I used to live at the university and work in Bountiful. If I still did that mm. and that happened, I, then I would have to start driving to work. I still don't know how you did that normally. Because I'm a nutcase and an environmentalist freak show. <laughs> I mean, it was only an hour and a half, so. Yeah. <laughs> Each way. Uh, <laughs> Certainly one of the commutes. Of I time. am technically a super commuter, despite going I, like roughly 12 miles. <laughs> uh, I don't even think, I don't know how far it was. It might have been like eight miles. <laughs> <laughs> it honestly could have been. If I could get the 455, it was pretty decent, but most of the time I just yeah, had to take it. Yeah, how long is the 455 ride? That would be like an hour commute. That's like direct. That's still a while, though. Yeah, because I had to walk a lot on both ends. And ah, that would do it. But it was normally better to just take the three to front runner. Rest in peace, the three. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. That's why I was mad when they killed it. <laughs> What, you don't like the 223? It was my commute for a while, man. I was attached to that bus route. Uh, so, yeah. I'd, where the hell were we? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about service cuts. Um, but, you know, they recover from that, like we said. And uh, they were on the verge of something really great in 2019 after a 2017 bill that allowed them to propose levying a sales tax. And they'd also started work on their long-anticipated electrification and modernization program in 2017, which would have essentially turned Caltrain into the missing BART link on the peninsula with 15-minute headways and electrified trains. <laughs> Say well, the words. Then came Rona. Yeah. Uh, Gosh. So why did I have to say that? Bye-bye yeah. bye all, <laughs> all, all the plans. Well, not really. But, you know, it was, it was kind of bad for a while because as far as I can tell... Caltrain was the hardest hit public transportation anywhere in the country and maybe in the really? world. Really? More so than BART? Maybe in the <laughs> world in terms of COVID ridership issues. Um, they almost immediately lost 95% of their ridership, plummeting from over 60,000 riders a day to about 1,200. So what do they do? So are they like literally an office commute service? Yes and no. Or so... If you're, aware, oh, if you're aware of, like, the economic geography of the San Francisco Bay Area, this would make more sense to you. But, like, the South Peninsula and San Francisco itself are very, very wealthy 
Mm. And so probably a lot of people, you know, were commuting on Caltrain to work or, you know, taking it for other things. But now that there's COVID and we don't want to be around other people, Gotta go in the bubble. all of those trips we're going to take in the car now. Because bubble. So it had a very wealthy clientele. I mean, I would have just taken my hamster ball on the train, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... This, of course, led to them losing about $9 million a day in operating costs. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> a lot of fair money a year. Good yeah. God. Yeah, it was a lot of fair money. That was a lot of fair money. Okay. Um, and then, but, you know, Caltrain has recovered from this. So they passed the ballot measure that, that was going to grant them an eighth of a cent sales tax to give them $100 million a year in dedicated revenue nice. on top of fair revenue. But when's our eight percent sales tax? Uh, eight, eighth of a cent. Oh. We already have 0.65. That's only 0.125. Okay. Yeah. That would be fair. We run more than we just We could use 0.125. We could use another 0.125. Yeah, I wouldn't complain. No, me neither. We should take a whole another point two five. <laughs> we should just round up to one. That's what we I should agree. do. But anyway, um, they passed it, and now they operate good service again. They run about 108 trains a day, beating that 2008 record. Um, wow. All stations see trains at least every hour on weekends and at least every half hour on weekdays. And the busiest stations see trains as often as every 15 minutes, and express service has returned. Cool. Um, They've also recovered, you know, not not to a high level in ridership, but they're doing 20,000 riders again uh, as of last summer. So, pretty good. Um, the situation for... This is something that needs to be brought awareness to, and it, we're going to be talking about it probably every episode. Um, every Bay Area Transit Agency, with the current exception of probably the SFMTA, Caltrain and maybe the VTA in San Jose, is facing a horrific fiscal cliff. Because they used to be highly dependent on fare revenue. Because they are all used well enough to have been uh, gaining a significant portion of their revenue via fares. And then COVID. And then COVID, and now there's not as many people on board, and federal money is going to run out in 2025, like all the, the you know, emergency yeah. grant money. Mm-hmm. And then when that happens, if they don't manage to, to, like, miraculously get all their riders back... Bart is talking about running half-hour service ending at 9 on weekdays, is how bad their, yeah, like, loss of revenue would be. That's a great way to lose even more riders. That's what we call a death spiral. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't think the SFMTA is that affected by this because it's a city agency, so it's property tax revenue is funded, probably. Yeah. Um, but a lot of Bay Area transit agencies, especially more commuter-oriented ones, are in, like, real big trouble. So if you live in California, write your state legislature. Tell them to, like, give money to Bay Area transit agencies. Otherwise, yeah, climate change. <laughs> it's almost like we need these transit agencies in the long term. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's not good. That's very bad, especially since BART service, no offense, BART, is particularly kind of bad already. Um, like, all their lines run every 15 minutes. I mean, they are like 20x interlined, but still. They're only 4x interlined at maximum. Oh, like, they true. only run 16 trains an hour through the Market Street subway mm. and the Transbay tube. I suppose the Y might be a capacity limiter, but, like, still, 16? We run that. Well, we run... TriMet does that over the gosh darn steel bridge if they can. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. 
and Bart no. still hasn't figured out how to magically reclaim all its writers. No. Best, well, best they've got so far is taller fair gates and twice as many police. <laughs> a winning strategy. It might actually end up being an okay strategy. <laughs> that sounds like a start to a strategy. It sounds like <laughs> a strategy at the very least, yeah. which is more than some other agencies have. Mm. Some agencies, yes. Some, Some agencies. unnamed agencies. Yeah. Unnamed transit authority. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on, Caltrain's electrification and service improvement program, which is known as CalMod, includes electrification, CBTC, new rolling stock with 75% of their old diesel stock replaced immediately, nice. and Sweet. newer diesel trains phased out at the end of their service lives. Uh, as well as massively improved service coming basically every 15 minutes everywhere all day. Isn't that project being shoved forward a whole lot by the high-speed rail project? Uh, it's Cause they it's a the component of the high-speed rail project, sort of. Okay. Because that seems to it's be the important. impetus. Because the high-speed rail wants It might tracks. be the reason it got so much state funding is maybe... And it, why it's happening like, now and not in 2040. Well... It's been kicked around since the early 2000s. They've been planning mm. on doing it. It's just a long time people were resistant to it. So, And uh, now they have a bunch of state money, so it's happening whether or not people want it. Yeah. Um, so they should be running sometime next year in 2024. Cool. Uh, they were supposed to open in, like, 2022. Good God, next year is 2024. Yeah. Coronavirus. The Rona. The Rona. Yep. Um. Yeah, and uh, it'll be great. I mean, they have they're gonna have these beautiful Kiss train sets built right here in Salt Lake City. Yay! Oh yeah. Yes. The Stadler. Yes, Stadler Sweet. Kiss. You know the bi level ones. Yeah. Yes. Stadler builds nice trains, trains for Utah. Very yeah. nice trains. <laughs> um, they're gonna have like weird two level boarding though because <laughs> Caltrain is weird. Okay. That sounds funny. And um, stupid. <laughs> they forgot to do the part of the project where they were going to take it to Salesforce Transit Center, so that's oh, yeah. a little unfortunate. Isn't that kind of, like, relatively Yeah, important? I'm sure that'll happen eventually. I'm sure it'll also cost, Probably like, Probably cost 20. a trillion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I, everything will happen eventually. Yes. Let's just put it that and way. For, like, an exponentially increasing price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Everything so will happen before the heat death. You know, our the stickers, they're going to cost $1 now, but in two years... It's going to cost us $100 to make one of $500 per sticker. <laughs> mm, if if we're lucky. Yeah. So. I, I don't think we have the raw skill the raw skill to mismanage stickers the raw that hard. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have to get a transit agency to make them for We'd us. Have to <laughs> uh, we, we could learn that skill. We'd have to hire yeah. the New York MTA or something, <laughs> and then they could hire a bunch of contractors to come in and yeah. consult. Using the most convoluted and stupid procur- procurement process with like three people managing a $2 billion project. We can have the Port Authority teach us some corruption <laughs> techniques. Yes. <laughs> true. Mm, this is true. Very true. Um... We do have to over-engineer the stickers, too. Maybe the backing <laughs> should be, like, a centimeter thick. And we have to do it in a uh, four-year environmental review for every single sticker we produce. Mm. Oh, yeah. And we got to have some delays in there to increase labor costs. Not to mention community costs. impact or statements <laughs> and oh, um, yeah. community engagement. Can we add a bike path on the sticker, too? <laughs> we could. I think that's a good plan. <laughs> well, yeah, expensive stickers. Buy them now, I guess. Well, can we put the can we put the stickers uh, five hundred feet underground? <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Why not go a bit deeper? Five hundred five. 
Yeah, yeah. All right, that's all right. a bit better. Uh, specifically, so it runs into a seismic fault that makes you have to re-engineer the entire oh, yeah. project. And we can put the <laughs> office in which we design the stickers underground too. And we can make it out of gold, yeah. <laughs> just to um, increase costs. Uh, no, 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 to increase comfort. To Not increase, cost. we're value engineering, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're the MTA doing value engineering. Yes. Uh, so now the question is, what is in the future for Caltrain? So they're going to have this really good uh, 168 train-a-day service starting in 2024 with electrified trains, Beautiful. which is very good. Uh, sometime in the near future, hopefully, they're supposed to be going to Salesforce to connect with like the billion bus routes that go there. This is another wise idea. This is another project that will probably be shoved through by the high-speed rail project. Yes, and speaking of high-speed rail, eventually the trains, when, you know, someday, inshallah, CHSR is completed, (laughs) uh, someday... Hopefully within our lifetimes, we'll see. Someday the final stretch of the trains will be along California high-speed rail's uh, tracks, like, same tracks and everything. They'll share tracks with the commuter trains, probably, which is... Yeah, smart. Yeah. Unlike that's it's fine. in arrangement, I'll say that. It, it'll be fine. It's value engineering. <laughs> um, yeah, actually. Yes. <laughs> it might actually work. Um, and the second Transbay crossing. Yeah, so this is kind of a piece of very recent news. Um, so... Cost Snake has eaten <laughs> the second Transbay crossing, so... For a long time, people have realized that the Transbay tube is very capacity constrained because you can only run a certain number of bar trains through it. Constrained? Okay. Excuse me. Constrained. Uh, it yeah, works. constrained. It works, uh, if you will. Um, it's very capacity constrained. You can only run a certain number of BART trains through it per hour. Don't they run headways down to two and a half minutes or something like that? Yes, but also um, you can only run BART trains through it. This is also an because another Bart issue. has its own gauge. Well, not it only does. that, it, it's wide gauge. Not only that, but it's a rather or small gauge, tube, and there's no way you're fitting an inner city train through such a small tube. Yes, the Bart trains are the shape of the tube. This is why Bart trains are the shape they are. Yeah. Yes. To fit in the trans- subway tube. trains, right? So. Okay. So. Um, that's kind of a problem because it means that a you have a limited amount of trains from the East Bay. And uh, B... You'd have to chop a high-speed train into, like, 50 pieces to fit it through a tube. Yeah, you can't extend California high-speed rail to Sacramento. Yikes. So, the state of California now wants to build what's called the second Transbay Crossing because, you know, the first one is the BART one, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And recently what's come out is that they've decided that they can only do one or the other because they were going to put a second set of BART tracks and a set of standard gauge tracks through there. But now they've decided that because of the cost snake, they can only <laughs> do one or the other. And so BART is probably not getting a second Transbay crossing, right. but California, but Caltrain is probably going to get a Transbay crossing. So we might end up with that, two commuter services on the East Bay? It would run along different corridors than BART runs along, because BART yeah. doesn't run along established rail corridors by virtue of being a fully grade separated metro. So would this run along like the freight and the Amtr- and capital there corridor? There would, corridor? for example, it would probably run along the capital corridor. Um, so Emeryville would have Transbay service, which would be good for Emeryville, I guess. Yeah. 
um, and along some other routes that aren't kind of served by BART currently but are in need of I high mean, capacity. I mean, that's a good way to both improve service quality and raw capacity. Yes. And you can also, you know, take CHSR to Sacramento. Why anyone would want to go to Sacramento <laughs> is a different question, but... Sacramento's not that bad. Yeah, I'm just kind of the enemy of their light rail system because it runs half-hour headways on some of its lines. It's, that's perfectly fair. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that would be good, I think. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, any other things anyone wants to talk about in Caltrain relation deals? I, I, I did not go to California, so I don't have too much to well, say. Well, I, I, we I didn't did ride not, Caltrain. We did not so much as go touch a Caltrain station. But, but you were in a cow. We were so. in the cow part of This is of true. The I don't know much about <laughs> Caltrain, so I can't really complain about it. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ebart. I think my main takeaway from this is that this is what Frontrunner should be doing now. We should be installing really? CBTC. Yeah. We should be electrifying. We should be undertaking maybe an ambitious tunnel project to a certain outlying area of our metro. Hmm. Logan. Yep. Um, <laughs> Dude, if TriMet can do the tunnel through the mountain, why can't Wait, we? We would never get a tunnel to Logan. Ever. Never. Probably not. Never, ever. No, because it would cost, like, probably a bazillion dollars because of the cost nature. And and the cutoff is fine. If we were as ambitious as, <sighs> as TriMet, then we could have a tunnel through the mountain. Well, yeah. If we could maintain the cost that TriMet had, we could also afford I know. TriMet made their TriMet's uh, max tunnel through the mountain on the west side of Portland. It was $186 million, not $86 million, as I discovered. So about $50 million dollars a mile. Okay, 60. but that's like... For a whole-ass tunnel, including a station. That's cheap. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we spend that amount of money on surface light rail. These mm-hmm. days, per mile. Yeah. So if we can or have that for sort Austin, of we spend a billion dollars per mile on surface running light rail. Right. If we can have that sort of ambition and not completely stupid management, then we could build. A well, we don't have mountain. completely stupid management. UTA is actually pretty good at managing construction projects. Historically, most of our projects do come in on time and under budget. And but not like insanely expensive, just like reasonably expensive. We haven't done construction in we a while. We haven't built so. anything in <laughs> and since 10 the, years like, now. And board so. restructuring and all that, we've probably completely shot ourselves in the feet. Yep, we probably are going to, because you know what they say, they want to spend $100 million per mile on the point of the mountain extension for the blue line if they do that. So hmm. even though it in is a, rail a fully existing and almost fully grade separated rail corridor. Yeah. So. It's not even funny. <laughs> if you go on the bike path down there, yeah, it's just bridges. Obviously, they'd have to tear them down and put new bridges in, but it's it's a great separate rail corridor. Yeah. yeah. It's just there. It, UTA owns it. UTA owned land for station parking lots. There's no land ac- acquisition. That no, they make. already did it, and they were <laughs> smart back in the day. The same for the Central Corridor light rail in Utah County, the one yeah. that would go along State Street from Vineyard to yeah. Point of the Mountain. We own all the stuff. We could do it tomorrow if we wanted to, but we're still going to spend a crap ton of money on it. Stacey and Whitbeck, just do it. So, yeah, have some ambition, guys. Make Frontrunner great again. (laughs) And also... M-F-R-G at Mafurga. We'll have our Mafurga hats soon. (laughs) Goodness, if we we had the tunnel to be in... Um, they can be red for Red Lion. Ooh, Mafurga hats. (laughs) 
Let's see. If we had to tunnel to Logan, we would have to electrify because tunnel. No. Not true. Not true. You we, can just do what Amtrak does through the really long tunnel in Colorado and just make sure nobody goes between the cars so the diesel fumes don't get into the cab. Yeah, we can do that. We definitely should electrify. <laughs> yeah. And then, we'll have a single track tunnel to Logan. Oh, my. No. I will... I will commit violence in, my, in Minecraft. We'll build a different one later. That will definitely <laughs> oh be a good idea. Because why build something once? When you can build it twice. Thank or you. More. <sighs> or more. Or more. If we could yeah. build a BRT tunnel first. MBCA style. Yes, a mixed traffic BRT tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> that, no. that would sell, actually. If we built an actual, an actual electric double track rail tunnel, I think we'd get like max levels of ridership from providing just such a compellingly fast transportation. Yeah, well, and safe. Fast, safe, reliable. Yeah, because, like, you know, when there's those terrible storms in Sardine Pass... You know, every day. Every day, it's, all winter, it's you just same, get on the front runner. It's the same reason that the Max Tunnel has been so successful, because it's such a compellingly fast and convenient transportation option compared to driving around or over the mountain. And they don't even have bad weather. No, and they have an actual freeway that goes through the mountain instead of a... And it's a light rail train and not a regional rail train. Yeah, so this would be a really, really compelling transportation service that would net Frontrunner a lot of ridership. And if Frontrunner was a private company, they would have built it already and and would be rolling in cash right now. Yeah. Logan isn't that big of a market, I guess, is the only concern I have with that. Yes. That is true, because we're done suburbanizing Salt Lake County. We're getting close in Weber, Davis, and Utah. So the next place, obvious target for uh, Salt Lake's exurbs are Logan. The last frontier until we go into Idaho. Yeah, the final frontier until, like, (laughs) Preston, Idaho becomes a commuting (laughs) suburb of Salt Lake City. Yeah, and it's not just Logan's population. You also got to take into account it's a college town, and there's a lot of transportation demand coming from that alone. Oh, but we don't want you. USU students down here. They're a damn no, no, they're, yeah. they're weird. Yeah. Yeah, keep yeah them, and keep nobody them. from here would ever want to go there. Uh, no, what? Are you kidding me? Who would go up to Logan? Yeah, all you can do there is freeze and, like... Go fishing once. Okay, so anyways, go, Chal- go Caltrain. Good job having ambition. You're lo- good thing they got Glad the Glad you're money. not going to have a fiscal crisis like Bart. That's yep. nice. Yeah, thanks for being cool and improving your service. I hope Pete Buttigieg rides you on the opening day. I feel like he's kind of trains-phobic, to be honest with you. Like, he, pr- he talks a big talk about public transportation, but he's a cager. Because, like... What he did when he came to Salt Lake City to ride the tracks is... He, he came first, to Salt Lake? Uh-huh. This is a while ago. Okay, so it's a while um, ago. Is they let him off the car, let him trespass a tr- across the tracks at Jackson Euclid Station. <laughs> what? Yeah, first of, of all, all Jackson Euclid Station, <laughs> okay, probably not the best place to show the Secretary of Transportation, uh-huh. uh, and then rode it to the airport from where he was chauffeured to a private jet in a car. Oh, my God. What? We need a transportation secretary that's going to ride the whole the line. Why isn't the man, like, I but doubt he, do you think he rides the metro to work in D.C.? No, I don't I think so. I doubt it. Why would he? Have He's your the security follow you around yeah. on the train. They'll run a train No just one's for you. trying to assassinate the secretary of transportation. <laughs> <laughs> they would if he was doing stuff, but. Well, even if he was, no one's trying to assassinate the Secretary of Transportation. Yeah, we all do that politically. The only people who ever get assassinated in this country are occasionally ambassadors and a lot of presidents. Yeah. And important figures. Like, but the Secretary of Transportation. 
I'm not going after him. Maybe because he's gay. Nah, that's not happening anymore, is it? Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> I mean, Iowa just made gay marriage legal again. So, illegal, that is. How? They passed the law to make it illegal again. God. <laughs> and the law has not the yet been The law hasn't been struck down, down yet, so it's temporarily illegal in <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> but their, their idea is to force it back to the Supreme Court so the Supreme Court can make gay marriage illegal again because it's controlled by the Federalist Society now. Yep. <sighs> and they probably will. They will. Yeah. Read the Constitution. Equal protection under the law, more like equal protection under my ass. (laughs) Suck it. Uh, Quote from um, Brett Kavanaugh, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Great. Be gay, ride trains. This has been the Red Line Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you like what we do here, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube, and to follow us and leave a rating on iTunes and Spotify. If you really like what we do, please consider becoming a member on Patreon. Or on Patreon. Patrons get access to our current content early, as well as a bonus episode produced roughly every month, as well as some other fringe benefits like stickers. Stickers. And dis- Oh, yeah, Discord. Oh, yeah, that is also Patreon exclusive. Yeah. We do have uh, a Discord. Yeah. So, uh, our patrons are... Uh, Frontrunner um, flying through the sky tier. <laughs> uh, you could say Caltrain tier. At Caltrain tier, we have Zach Adams at $69.69. Zach Adams, Curtis Herring, Devin Zander, Mike Christensen, Phobos2390, Brian Smith, Christopher Christopher Whaley, Jacob Wycotton, Reluctant LA resident Robert P. Walsh and Scott Harris, Alex Dykowski, Ben Busath, Bradley Bondi, and DJ Will Watkins. You skipped just because. Well, you I, have to. Just I think we're in different orders. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Someone, somebody say what? Hi, Will already. Hi, Hi Will. Will. Thank you. Elijah Kensler, Ethan McDonald, G4, and Gonzo12. Jack Dean, John Heron, Gorman, just causes. Martin Hecker Martinez, Old Trolley, Patrick Salas, Schuyler Hall, and Seth. These are all of our patrons as of... What's today's date? Mm, Pi Day. Pi Day. 3-14-20-23. I was in that play, so... I can do the whole actual song if you want. What play? Uh, Pirates of Penzance. Never heard of it. 